The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey, Rockheads, cancel your vonage and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 267 with guest Michael Dunn, recorded live Tuesday, August 21st, 2007. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter. And now, bringing world-class .NET and SharePoint training on-site to your development team. Online at www.franklins.net. And by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. Support is also provided by Data Dynamics. Makers of ActiveReports.net, simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who told his therapist, as soon as I get Eliza running on speech server, you're out of here. Carl Franklin. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl Franklin here on the East Coast of the United States, and Richard Campbell's here. Hi, Richard. I am back home at last. I'm the coast on the West Coast. What? I'm the host. I'm the co. <laughs> what the hell am I saying? I'm the co-host on the West Coast. I think we know what you're saying. I don't know anymore. We got some conferences coming up. We're going to be at um, doing uh, some work. You, you guys, you and Greg Hughes are going to Barcelona, are you not? Yep. Well, the Barcelona deal's in the can, so definitely going to Barcelona, and that's the second week in November. Now, is there going to be Speaker Idol again there? There is going to be Speaker Idol again. Wow. All right, but that's just at the IT show. Oh, well, they're doing it at the Dev Show as well, but we're not involved. I and see. They've got a, They're also doing it at the IT show. So yeah, I, I'm I'm not going to be there because it coincides with Dev Connections. And uh, I just the first week of November. Right. And we're both going to be a dev connection. Right, right. And the IT half of uh, Tech Ed Europe is happening the week after. So you're going for that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I missed Dev right Connections. from Las Vegas to, to Barcelona to do that. Yeah, I missed Dev Connections last year because of this. So, but they're trying to work out it so work it out so they're not overlapping next yeah, year. Yeah, it's not going to happen again. Is so I'm told. That's good. Uh, and then we're going to Bulgaria, but first, no, before we go to Bulgaria, we're going to the Netherlands, right? That's right. That's, uh, September 17, 18 in Papendal. SDC.nl. And then we're going to DevReach in Bulgaria. A lot of yeah, fun. That's the first week of October. We're just going to be flying all over this world in the fall. Oh, yeah. And, uh, hopefully that'll turn into some good shows. Of course, usually does. We like to do .NET Rocks Live wherever we can. Uh, hey, you know what? It's time for Better Know Framework. Give me some music. There it is, in all its splendor. So, the Better Know Framework tidbit of the day isn't a class, it's not a, an assembly, and it's not an attribute. Oh! It's a feature of .NET that, um, you know, the, the, the cool .NET programmers know about, the, the, the schooled .NET programmers know about, and that's the Global Assembly Cache, otherwise known as the GAC, which is the sound my cat makes when he hawks up a fur ball. Very nice. I whenever I hear Gak, I think Klingon, but that's just me. Yeah, some sort of Klingon mountain animal. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's well, you're thinking of Gach, which is like a worm dish, I believe. I wouldn't know. Yeah, you got to use a lot of garlic. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm told. <laughs> talk to me about the GAC. All right, Carl. talk to you about the GAC. So the global assembly cache is the way that you share assemblies on a machine. And uh, because most time, most of the time you're going to use private assemblies in an application, but especially on web applications, it makes sense to share the DLL so that one can be uh, one one version can be shared among all uh, among all websites. Okay. Yeah. And what you need to do before you can put an assembly into the GAC is you need to strongly name it. You need to associate it with a strong name key which you can generate with a command at the command prompt. It's sn-k and then the file name that you want to create and use the .snk extension. And then what you do is in the code, you add an attribute to point to that strong name key file and you compile it in. And once you have that strong name in there, then you can uh, deploy it to the global assembly cache. You can use gacutil which is uh, an SDK tool. Or if you are logged into the machine with administrator access, you can simply drag it into Windows Assembly. But you got to be an administrator to be able to do that. Got to be an administrator to be able to do that. Now, here's the thing about strong name keys. You uh, should create as few of them as possible. In other words, it's not a good idea to create a new key for every assembly. In fact, it's a good idea to create a key as an identifier for security. And what's good about this is that if you sign all of your assemblies in your group, your department, or whatever with the same key, then you can use code access security to say any assembly with this key is safe, no matter where it is, no matter where it came from, and all of that. So it's a good way to identify assemblies as being from a source based on that key. And Rather you, than give a separate key to each assembly. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um, if you take a look at the uh, Windows assembly directory in the, the uh, Explorer, you'll see a shell extension that shows you all the strong name key, um, public key tokens, which uh, is, is a hash of the public key. And if you look, all of the Microsoft uh, assemblies, there's only like three or four in the whole lot of them in right. the framework. So so that'll get you going. The global assembly cache, it's a beautiful thing. If you're doing ASP.NET, uh, you're probably using this already. But if you haven't, that's why we're here. Better know framework. Awesome. So, Richard, read us an email. I have an email, but since you get music for your thing, I think I need music for this email. Why? Why is that? Because this email is from Thomas Betts, and it's called... What I've learned this week. Oh, okay. So this is probably a, a takeoff on things I've learned this week, which is a bit that I do on Mondays. Absolutely. Our comedy show, our sister comedy show. Yes. And before you go running over there, kid boys and girls, make sure there's only adults in the room when you listen to it. That's right. And don't listen to it lo out loud at work. Yeah. You definitely want headphones. Yeah. But you will laugh and you may even pass out laughing. <laughs> You've been warned. Mondays.pwop.com. All right. Well, um, shall, we, shall we play the music? Absolutely. All right. I'm really going to enjoy this because finally I get to do this song. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that when my iPod says John Harrop makes us F sharp, it isn't the latest episode title of Mondays being censored than abbreviated. <laughs> F sharp. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, all these funny symbols. I've learned that when I heard no F in C-sharp, it was probably no F in C-sharp. Well, of course it was. I've learned that when Carl tells me I don't have any F in clue what functional programming is, he's right. Oh, no. <laughs> I've learned that when I take a nice, relaxing walk at lunch, I like to forget about work for half an hour. Hmm. I've learned that listening to .NET Rocks on my walk at lunch sometimes makes me think even more about work. Hmm. Sorry about that. I've learned that in every good .NET Rocks episode, there is one point that hits home 100% with something I'm currently working on. Well, good. Good. I've learned that when Richard mentions processing a bill of materials, I automatically look over my shoulder to see if he's following me around. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've learned that C-Sharp and CSLA.net, thank you, Rocky, is great for most of the business objects in my application, but those damn bills of material are always pissing me off with all that recursive crap. I'm a branch. I'm also a tree. And I have branches that are also trees. <laughs> the trick with recursion is everything's a branch. He needs F-Sharp. Absolutely. <laughs> I've learned that when I... Uh, <laughs> I've learned that when the guest on .NET Rocks has a distinct British accent and works for Microsoft Research, I'll typically have an easier time understanding the words being said than comprehending what the heck the guy is talking about. <laughs> I've learned that Richard has a really good grasp of research-related languages, or does a great job faking it. Hmm. I've learned that we can count on Carl to sound just as confused as I am. Yeah, that's my job. Yes, sir. I've learned that my new .NET Rocks mug can hold one 12-ounce can of soda and two shots of something else. Aha! Uh-huh. I've learned that I'm out of something else. <laughs> and that's all Thomas Betts has learned this week. Excellent. Thank you, Thomas. Wow, that was a long one. I don't oh, even yeah, write them that long. That's a great email. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, uh, you know that our friends at Infusion still hiring people. And uh, if you're interested in taking a job in New York City for a year, living rent-free in Manhattan for that year, working in the financial industry with some really creative and really cool people, uh, check out the offer at shrinkster.com slash kh6. Okay, Richard. Well, let's get to our guest. Michael Dunn is a consultant for Magenic, and we know Magenic through Rocky Latka, a big friend of the show. Yes. And uh, uh, Magenic is, uh, if you don't know, a Microsoft-centric consulting firm based in Minneapolis. He's a Microsoft MVP for Microsoft Office Communication Server and a frequent speaker at user groups and conferences across the United States. In his free time, Michael can be found answering questions about Office Communication Server 2007 in the various MSDN newsgroups or blogging on gotspeech.net. Welcome, Michael. Speech? Gotspeech.net? Yes. Is that part of, uh, well, I guess what, let's start with Office Communication Server was live communication server, and now it's got speech in it and Office stuff? Is that a fair uh, well, assessment? basically, basically. So it was live communication server, which was your corporate instant messaging. Um, now Office Communication Server has, has the corporate instant messaging and also the voice over IP functionality. So you can actually have your corporate telephone run over Office Communication Server. Now, bef- that- before we even get to that, mm-hmm. corporate instant messaging, meaning probably security is involved, and that's yep. the big difference? So so your IT department can control the instant messaging that you have. And um, it- it's really the idea. So they can control, lock it down. And- Listen in, snoop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's a bunch of logging. Um, you got to be careful what you say over your corporate instant messaging client. Oh, sure. Yeah, there's a, there's a liability. And this is the same thing we've seen happen with corporate email as sure. well. Liability, yep. yeah. So, okay, continue on then. You said something about speech and and also uh, uh, telephone over? Yep. So it adds the voice over IP functionality so that your uh, office communicator client actually becomes a soft phone. Office communicator client. Yep. So instead of... Um, so there's the server piece, which is Office Communication Server, and Office Communicator is the client piece, which you need on every desktop for your instant messaging. So it's like a little Skype kind of thing? Yeah. So it's it actually looks really similar to um, the MSN Messenger client. Okay. And it's and it's both an instant messenger and a, and a, uh, a VoIP Tele- client. Now. Okay. Yep. I, so, I get it. Now, now this sounds like uh, an infrastructure app. How does developer development come into this? Really, the the main key for developers would be uh, the speech server product. Right. From live communication server, they've also added the Microsoft speech server product into here. So now we have this um, probably 32-syllable name. So now (laughs) instead of just Microsoft speech server, it's now Office Microsoft Office communication server 2007 speech server. Um, just to, and then, of course, you got speech server on one side, and you have live communication server on the other. Where did Office come into this? Um, the, that I'm not sure. <laughs> well, and the the client is running on the desktop, and yep. and anything running on the desktop is really part of Office, isn't it? Right. Well, so part of it they, they had this in the previous version as well, but 
in your office suite, such as Outlook, Excel, you can also get presence information from other users. Oh, I see. So they have that. They have that now, but with Office Communication Server, it takes it really one step farther, so that you can actually um, start a call from if you're in Outlook or even in the Excel spreadsheet. You can start a call with another user directly from whatever. Um, product you're in at that time right we'll get to programmability in a minute because you know it is a programming show but (laughs) but i'm curious just as the feature set here so what about um hardware phones you know like you've seen the skype phones they're actually pieces of hardware that you can plug in and use with the software do do we have that capability with uh office communication yep so there's a couple different hardware phones um my pet there's a couple vendors that that make them um my point gets to be why. Why would you want a hardware phone? Now, if you are if you have the soft phone on your desktop, why not just have a small um, Bluetooth headset? To you know, it, your... Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned this. We were just talking about this kind of thing just before the show. We have this feature in the studio called a Big Knob. It's a Mackie Big Knob, which is a funny kind of product name. And mm-hmm. on the box it says, everybody needs a Big Knob. <laughs> And what it is is it's a big volume knob. It's like a two-inch circular knob that uh, controls all the volume, and it also has sort of multiple input selects for audio and and multiple output monitoring things, plus muting and a mono switch and talkback and headphones and all this. But the main feature is this big volume knob. And, you know, when you're in a studio situation, uh, somebody plugs in a microphone and feeds back, you don't have time to pull up the volume software thing and turn it find the right slider and turn it down so i i I have the same thought about hardware telephones as opposed to software telephones i know you have the bluetooth headset but i mean it is the difference between pulling up an applet making sure it works and connects and then using the mouse to dial numbers rather than just picking up something on boink 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 and you're done I'll, i'll agree with you there um it does come down really to personal preference. To I mean, I'd rather not have a, a desktop phone for the fact that I'll, I'll never be on my office phone without my laptop being on or or my machine being on at all. Right. I mean, it starts to lose it starts to lose the value, at least from my perspective. But obviously, there are vendors that that create um, hardware phones that are compatible with it, and it, obviously, you just have to. You have to be willing to pay the extra price for it. Sure. Of course, you don't reboot your telephone very often now, do you? <laughs> Some of these phones, though, um, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you do need to re- they, they blue screen. I'm sure they do, just like, you know. Now, I've read through your blog a fair bit, Mike, and I know that you yep. come from the speech server side of the things. In fact, I think your your uh, your blog site's under the, uh, the speech server uh, yep. group. The, uh, what do they call it? The speech group? Yeah, gotspeech.net. Yep. So what they did is they, they've kind of, um, last year, pretty much uh, since they knew they were merging speech server with um, office communication server, they kind of put all the speech server MVPs and LCS MVPs and mushed them together and say, now your office communication server MVPs. Right. So the, everything's all together. Right. So... Since they did that, I, you know, I thought I might as well learn the product I'm an MVP for. <laughs> yeah, that that makes sense. I like that idea. Right. If you're going to be right. an MVP, you ought to know that product. Right. So it kind of forced me to do that. <laughs> now, hmm. I'm a guy who is not, hasn't really found an application where speech makes a ton of sense. So where does speech server fit into applications? Is this about interpreting speech or generating speech? It's both. So it's actually your telephony applications, your uh, IVR applications. That now you can write with .NET. So if you think about it... Press um, 1 if you want to go here. <laughs> exactly. So you can do the, the DTMF pressing 1 or even the speech recognition so they can say something and you, you can, your app can recognize it over the phone. Right. So speech server strictly over the phone, not desktop or web. Um, there you start getting into the SAPI APIs. Right. So the big benefit is that um, even though the web has become very broad, telephones are still... Broader. There's more phones than anything else. Right. And even if you look at, I think it's really strong in the banking world, 
is even the smallest bank may not have a website yet, but they still have an IVR application. Right. So the benefit that SpeedTripper brings is that now you can develop your IVR with .NET, meaning if you're doing if you're creating your .NET applications correctly, separating your business logic data access layer, you can have a website that performs the same action as your IBR. Well, a lot of companies want to do that. They want to have a website that people can order products online, and then they also want to have a telephone system that people can call in and order the same products. If you're using .NET now and separating your business logic and your data access layer, really it's just adding another UI, and now you're maintaining one set of code. Where currently, if your IVR platform is not the same as your web platform, you have to maintain two separate code bases. Right. So I could have a set of rules engine for the way my business works that my internal apps use, my website uses, and my IVR app uses. Right. And maybe you can have a Windows application just because uh, you're separating the logic within .NET, which you should be doing. If you're not doing it, then you're you know, really doing it wrong. But Are people using... Uh the communication server for for uh, recording podcasts and things? Not that I've heard of yet. Because um, you can do recording with it too, right? Yeah, you, you can do recording, but it's recording at more of the uh, snooping level for oh, I admins. See. So admins can now, if your telephone calls go through it, your admins can actually... Um, Capture calls. Rec- yeah. Well, which is a normal, I mean, every IVR, when you call it, says, this call may be recorded for quality assurance. Now, they probably don't even say it just because it's an expectation. Well, so so your app does it, too, now, but if you're also using the voice over IP infrastructure within Office Communication Server, it will, um, so if you're just using the communicator client to make in place phone calls, it will actually record those conversations as well for your IT department if they choose to do that. You know, when comparisons of web development components come into play, vendors start tossing in cliches like complete tool set of controls, superior performance, empowering users, and hosts of other buzzwords. But at the end of the day, what matters most to you, the developer? For our friends at Telerik, the answer boils down to simply getting your job done, like saving precious time by customizing stubborn controls at design time or skinning new applications in no time. And how about no browser compatibility issues? That's a big one. Take the Telerik Ajax offering, for example. The product was designed to quickly get you up and running with this new yet complex technology, and it just works. Forget about writing tricky JavaScript. Forget about making end-to-end modifications to your application. What's best is that you can count on a wide range of resources, sample apps, tutorials, active forums, and, of course, Telerik's renowned support team. After all, there is a reason why 89% of Telerik's customers choose to renew their subscriptions. Experience that for yourself by testing a trial version of the most reliable UI suite for ASP.NET at www. T-E-L-E-R-I-K dot com. So in terms of the feature set, um, have we left anything out? Um, you know, the major things? Really, for, for Speed Server, the main component is that the old version did uh, supported SALT, which is an industry standard, and now supports SALT and Voice XML. They're both okay. industry standards. Um, the third method, which is the in my opinion, the best way is to manage code language, uh, the manage code uh, IVR. So you can create an application with .NET and also with the Windows Workflow Foundation. So they have a list of custom activities for your IVR application that um, it's really a good story for mm. Windows Workflow. Because I've seen Windows Workflow and I've never thought, when is a good reason to use Windows Workflow? Um, yeah, This actually gives it a nice story behind it is, an IVR application is typically pretty uh, sequential. Yeah, very you know, you a very clear workflow scenario is an IVR. Exactly. IVR so, being something voice recognition. Yep, over the phone, so ah. that you can. Uh, so it's um, interactive voice response. Interactive voice response. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. Good enough. And and of course the new the new stuff is all about Office, as you guys have been talking about. So Correct. what about programmability? What do we, what can we do here, and what do we need to do? Why why programmable at all? So the, obviously, the speed server for the IVR. The other portions are 
A, there's a API for the client. So the Office Communicator client has an API, which allows you to do to, to interact with the client, send IMs automatically, things of that sort. I haven't found the real use for that piece yet. Um, the other tiers they have, um, for example, are they have a unified communications managed API, which is really just set, setting up a, a, a SIP endpoint. So SIP is the really the backbone for uh, voice over IP communications. Right. Is that SIP? Does that stand for something? Yep. Uh, session initiation protocol. Yeah. All Pretty much everything VoIP is based on SIP. Right. Voice over IP. Yeah. All right. Yep. On or, the acronym, please. Protocols. Microsoft's going the SIP route. There's other competing protocols that are trying to compete, but SIP is Microsoft's uh, choice right now. Yeah. Okay. They, not that they invented it. Lots of people have used it before then, but... Correct. Yeah, same Correct. old story with yeah. Microsoft. Yep. They picked They picked to go that way, and that's good. Yep. And, and so the uh, Unified Communications Managed API allows you to create SIP endpoints, um, which necessarily does not mean VoIP automatically, but you can use it for other... Uh, other things, such as creating a server-side bot, um, for example. So you can actually have a, this this application that would um, re- receive instant messages from uh, your clients. So an example that Microsoft has given for this is a help desk type app. So they can message this help desk bot and ask it questions, and it will spit something back intelligent enough to maybe help the user for simple. Yeah, hasn't Microsoft put together a couple of these? I'm thinking of, uh, what, Smarter Child? Have you heard of that? Yeah. No, I haven't heard of that. Um, they they did have some demos in um, LCS, and um, there's a couple more demos in uh, OCS. Asha, I think there was a uh, Microsoft a, um, encyclopedia MSN client uh, entity. So you just added this to your MSN, and then you were able to send it messages. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what this would be, except you know, just for a more corporate level instead of <laughs> worldwide. You could make it a public app as well, because another feature of Office Communication Server is that you can tie into AIM and uh, AIM MSN and Yahoo Messaging. Right. Okay. Server. It's at a it's at a different cost. It costs more per license only because the uh, whoever they're going through needs to pay the other one. There's a, a deal between all three <laughs> I see. for that compatibility. But so, uh, have you ever called Microsoft, somebody at Microsoft and you call the main number and you get this? Um, yep. Yeah, and it's basically for those who don't know, you get this. Welcome to Microsoft. Please say the name of anybody, and I mean anybody who works at Microsoft. And you say whatever it is, Chris Sells, and they say. Did you say Chris Sells? Yes. Okay. I'm transferring you to his office. I mean, it's a completely automated secretary right. answering phone thing. Is this the? Is are they using this? Are they dog fooding it? Do you know? That application actually was um, running off their old speech server version. I don't know if they've upgraded that or not. But, but this, that application was was speech server 2004. Wow. But this is what you're talking about: is we can build yep, these exactly. ourselves in .NET now. And I was just amazed at how accurate it was. And there's no training required. It just right. Yeah, it, it is it is very accurate. Even even the the desktop speech recognition starts to get in, in Vista has improved a lot. If you ever have a chance to tr- you know try it out, actually I have is, I have and it okay. and it is pretty awesome. So, Mike, do you think you could walk us through what it would take to build that app? Sure. Um, so first the 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 voice user interface, which um, is obviously pretty competitive to a graphical user interface. Right. Um, a VUI. It's a, a VUI. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And there's actually, there are full-time uh, people that are um, VUI designers. They design a voice user <laughs> interface. That's awesome. Yep. Um, and it's all how, how you present the words to a user. I mean, you can't just... Um, I guess there's a little science and art around that part is there's certain things, um, certain theories of how you should ask a question to a user. Right. So that, so that they can understand it. So that it makes sense to them. I'm just thinking about, I'm thinking about two things uh, in that example of Chris Sells. Somebody said Chris Sells. Right. So that it knew what it, you know, that means this guy. Yeah. And this is what his name sounds like. 
So what you you would have to do is. Well, it's just an Anglo. I mean, it's just a white guy, Chris Sells. What about Native American? What about Indian? What about African? I mean, you know, what about all the different accents that people have? Do they, that it, that presents a problem. It does, but um, a lot of the speech recognition has gotten around that. Um, where where even though it hears your accent, it, it can it can get past it. Um, still, huh. I mean, it's, still, it's going to cause problems eventually. Um, for some of the tougher words, but it's pretty, it's, it's pretty good. Um, of okay. understanding over accents. So, but the bottom line is if you think about a company like Microsoft with 60,000 people in it, somebody has said everybody's name into right. this system and it's recorded a copy of all of them. Am I right? No, no, no. So I believe they, wow. they're just using the text to speech. So it has a text-to-speech component. So any string I have in .NET, it can just render that uh, sound. Can, oh, no, no, no. He's n- saying it has to recognize. Well, I'm, I'm thinking both ways. One is, right. how does it say it? And the other is, how does it understand it? Well, the text-to-speech it? has gotten really, really good. Right. And, and I've, the, some of the best uh, text-to-speech I've heard, the companies are so protective of their, of their TTS, uh, whatever they call them, libraries or codex or whatever that they they don't even sell them and they license them and if you just i called one of these and i was like uh can i just get buy a license for one guy with one application like i want to do something in my house and they're like uh no we don't do that so i mean this is like a huge a huge market for people who have really good sounding text-to-speech engines so let me talk talk about the text-to-speech engine for a little bit here um so the number one in the IVR industry is probably Nuance. Any IVR developer will tell you that Nuance is the number one, really, for this text-to-speech technology. Um, but it's pricey. It's really expensive. Um, Microsoft actually licensed the technology even before their 2004 version from Nuance. So they, they have a probably a source code license from Nuance. Um, and now with the Office Communication Server, uh, Speech Server product, they're selling it cheaper than what Nuance sells it for. Now, Nuance, they own Dragon, don't they? Yep, they own Dragon, naturally speaking. And they own, um, in the IVR world, they have great uh, text-to-speech and these different voices. But they charge a, a pretty penny for them. Right. Microsoft has licensed the, tech, the same technology um, probably 2002, I, I want to guess. And now they're almost giving away for free. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I'd hate to see what that license terms was from way back then because things are different now. Right, exactly. It's but it, it's interesting. Okay, I can believe that text to speech can read the text letters of Chris Sells and say the name correctly. I yeah. can deal with yep. that. Okay. So let's go the other way. Can you read the text of Chris Sells and then be able to interpret someone else saying Chris Sells? Yes. So, so that comes into the grammar. And I'm not sure how Microsoft actually did this for the fact that Speech Server does not support dictation. So dictation is you can say anything right. and, and it'll recognize it. So, so Speech Server doesn't do that. You need to define a grammar file. Okay. You can either um, create a static grammar file or even a um, – uh, there's a class for grammar that you create your own class. So you can go look up something from a database, a web service, something. But you need to know – before the user says something, you need to know the possible answers. So th- they would have to take their 60,000 employees and um, basically have that before they ask that question, they need to have that available. And I'm not sure how they did that at that level because that's, that's pretty neat. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I think that's voodoo. That, right. that, to me, blows my mind that they would be able to pull that off. Right, so they probably tied it to the Active Directory, and they're doing that. And I think with Exchange, you, you kind of get that also. With Exchange 2007, it has some of this auto-attendant features built in. Oh, really? Yeah, right, because they've talked about how Exchange 2007 has all the unified communication stuff. How does that relate to Office Communication Server? It, there's really no um, one-to-one tie. Right. Um, so Ex- Exchange Server basically has this um, unified messaging concept. Which unified messaging is the is really a subcomponent of unified communication. Right. And I like to differ that unified communications 
is your non-real-time and your unified communications is your real-time. Okay. Depends how you look at it, um, but that's kind of how I kind of differ the, the right. big so, picture. So exchange is unified communications. Or unified messaging is exchange. I I actually went to uh, Nuance and did a demo and got a, a little uh, uh, wave file back. Let's listen to it. Hey, this is Samantha. Welcome to .NET Rocks. <laughs> huh? Yep. Not bad. Yeah. So you can actually download the um, uh, trial now because uh, Speech Server 2007 has RTM. So even though it's it's one product, you pay one price really. Um, speech server is kind of free, but it's a, it's a separate product. Wait, kind can, of free or free? It, it depends what you do. So if you want to, if you're going to use Office Communication Server, then it's free technically because it's it's a part of Office Communication Server. So you don't you have to pay for Office Communication Server, but you don't pay extra for the speech server. Okay, right. You don't you don't pay extra for speech server, but if you just want to use speech server, then obviously you're paying. For speech server at the office communication server price. Okay. The, the pricing is um, actually really competitive. It's actually really cheap. Um, really, most people can get away with just going with the standard version for speech server for office communication server, which is six hundred and ninety dollars. They start. They start to um, add in components if you want to use authentication. And it's kind of a gray area. Authentication? So now you have to have a cow. So if you want to do authentication over the phone, then, then you need a cow, an office communication server cow. Which cow, is, client access license. Right. Exactly. Okay. I you which said if cow. you're already using office communication server um, for the IM portion of, of it, then you'll already have a cow. Okay. Can we get back to uh, Richard's request to walk us through the building of that? app i think we got derailed a little bit yep so you first lay out the uh call flow and also your voice user interface um and basically the asking of questions the the different prompts you you have two choices you can use the text-to-speech or you can pre-record all your prompts right so the press one if you want to sure you can record those as whole or you can type them in and it'll Turn them to work. And nuance is and nuance the a license to use nuance comes with it. Yes, it's um, but it's a separate standalone license from Microsoft. So if you I if see. you want to buy something else from nuance, like a different voice from nuance, you cannot use it with this product. You can't so use it at all. You can't. Nope. It's uh-huh. uh, Microsoft. So it's it's a nuance technology that Microsoft licensed specifically for this. And okay. All right. And, just, and, conditions. and right. just real quick before we get back to the steps, um, that uh, for MSDN users, yep, is it free is, and usable? Is it in MSDN universe? I don't think it's in MSDN yet, only for the fact that um, it's just RTM, but it, sh- it, it will be. Okay. It, it's not there now. But there is um, a trial version I saw yep, that you could There's a trial, so if you go to um, you know Microsoft.com or even Google and uh, – Search for Speech Server 2007 trial, and you can download trial. Now, that's Speech Server. Yeah, I was going to say yep. Office Office 2007 Communication Server has a trial. Yep, and also Speech Server. So they're, stand, they're, they're separate installs. Oh, they if are? Were, yep, they're separate installs. So if you just want Speech Server for the IBR, you can just install that separate without installing the Office Communication component. Okay. All right, um, so. So they're, they're one product, but they're separate installs. Okay, so so back to our process. We build the the voice user interface. We do the flow with all the prompts. You can either record them or use text to speech. Then right. what? And then now you need to define grammar for your um, the different questions you're asking. So you have a couple choices there: uh, static keyword grammar. So certain keywords, like you might say, please say. Um, sales, support, or something, where you only have a few keywords, then you can just define those keywords. Then they also have this conversational grammar builder, where you might want to ask a question more vague, such as, how can I help you? And really, a user can respond almost anything. But the idea is that, let's say if you're calling a um, a pizza place, for example, if, you, if you, you're calling a pizza joint, um, 
you're hoping that they're going to ask about pizza and nothing else. Sure. So, so, you, so you, you make some assumption. You limit so, the domain or the list of words that it'll recognize, basically. Right. And even phrases. And with this right. conversational grammar builder, is I build a, a bunch of different uh, test phrases, really, such as um, they can say, yeah, I want a large pizza. Yeah, I want a... I need to order a pizza, or I'm really hungry, I need to order a pizza. And I can recognize that as actually just one right. certain keyword. Even and something as big as Microsoft, you could probably come up with all the different things. I mean, how many things are they going to ask? Right. And, I mean, half right. of them are going to be tech support. Right. So you right. could probably and you could find also a way give there. them a list. You could say, say, tech support, you know, say, say pizza, grinder, or dinner. You know, right. so then you've limited their choice of what they can say. And I got to imagine that the smaller the grammar is, the more accurate and the faster the recognition is. Correct. So even um, as big as, that's a good topic. Um, so your text-to-speech compared to recording, uh, pre-recording prompts, you want to go with pre-recorded prompts for the performance, if performance is concerned. Same with your grammar. You want to have a smaller grammar um, uh, than a larger grammar unless it's really necessary, because it's going to take more uh, processing power. Your text-to-speech is really processor-intensive, um, and your grammar is really memory-intensive. So you want to keep um, keep those small if you can. If your app doesn't need it, then make sure you have the the, the, the right hardware. But also, I mean, if you have the hardware to support a larger grammar, you're going to be able to have a more powerful speech application. So Correct. And that's another difference with a speech server compared to... Um, other IVR platforms is it does not charge per port. So most most IVR platforms charge at a poor port level. Microsoft speech servers or um, well, Office communication server speech servers charging at a server level or Office communication uh, server in and, general. And an Office communication server 2007 Enterprise is in MSDN Universal right now. Awesome. So and that then, would include the speech server. It should. Um, I'll, I'll double check that. I'm just I'm looking at the list right now, so it's, right. Uh, so can... on the DVD, I was told so uh, in the betas they were separate. I was told on the DVD that it'll still be a separate install, but it'll have it like its own installation folder. But yeah, it's probably all on the same DVD right. or right. So, CD so you'd actually. Run, you'd you'd run one install for Office Communication Server, and then you would actually have to run a different install to get Speech Server. Right, and probably there's a separate install for the clients as well. Right, exactly. Yeah, so it's a bunch of different apps all loaded onto one disk. Yep. And then, then they really confuse. <laughs> so Speech Server, um, I still consider it a separate product, even though it's packaged under Office Communication Server. The marketing guys are going to kill me for that. But Hey, I just want to give a shout-out real quick to our friends at Data Dynamics who uh, make ActiveReports.net, among other really awesome things. ActiveReports.net is great because uh, it allows you to just build your reports with an easy editor, embed them right in your application, provide PDF and HTML output, give your end users a report editor, royalty-free, of course, a great access report upsizing wizard, and all this for a price that isn't going to break the bank. ActiveReports.net from Data Dynamics. Go check it out now at datadynamics.com. All right, so back to our laundry list of things here, because this is important, I think. So we've made the grammar. Yep. Now, what's the next step after the grammar? So now that you have your prompts and your grammars, now you need to determine what you want to do with the the results. Um, do you ask another question based on the results, or um, or are you done speaking? Or do you pass? So now you have what they answered. Now you need to know. What do they do? And that really goes back to your voice user interface design and your call. Yeah, I mean, in the case of the Microsoft example we're using here, this thing's all voice-oriented. It's really a PBX switching. Instead of dial the local for your the person you're trying to reach, you're just using voice commands to derive the local and switch it over. Right. But in a more .NET y kind of app, like a check your balance at a bank thing, hmm. it could now it's going to go and make a query to pull up the appropriate account and then turn that result into some kind of spoken description. Yeah. Right. So really the big thing is um, <clears throat> it's really no different uh, accessing data than any other .NET application, which is the big key difference here. So you can call a web service uh, WCF. It, it really doesn't matter. I mean, because whatever .NET supports, you can do it. Um, 
so now once you get the results, you obviously need to format whatever results you get back to um, something that the TTS engine can speak. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, obviously, <laughs> you, you, sure. you have to do some formatting with that. So for dates, for example, you know, your dates that you return might be um, really in a, in a written date format. So you need to convert that to a text. Yeah. And, and there's some functions in uh, the speech server APIs that help you do that. Uh, so I can convert a string to a spoken date. Um, so have I, ri- have I written any code yet? Yes. Yeah. So, so your grammar's code in a way that it's, um, depending which way you go, you can write it directly in C-sharp or use some of the editors that are, are added into Visual Studio. Yeah, because it sounds very workflowy, doesn't it? Right. It sounds like right. a list somewhere. Right, exactly. So you use your um, use Windows Workflow Foundation. Oh, um, nice. So it's built on top of Windows Workflow Foundation, and in there you can actually... Uh, using the IDE drag-and-drop different activities. So you would have one that would say ask a question and then uh, one to say. So they have a statement activity and then a question-answer activity, and they have a whole bunch of different activities, um, each for appropriate use. So they have a couple that are able to be data-bound. So they have this navigable list activity, which you can data-bind to really anything that you can data-bind in, um, in, in .NET right now. And it allows a user to iterate through that list. Now, what tool are we using to do this? I mean, there's a tool that has the workflow designer in it, obviously. But what is it a tool that's built into speech server or communication server or both? It, Visual Studio. So, oh, really? Um, yeah. So when you install when you install speech server, it it knows if you're installing. Um, it, you have a choice to the, install the developer components, and those basically add. Um, add these little um, add-ins to Visual Studio. So now you have a project type of IVR, of Windows Workflow Foundation IVR. Okay. And then when you choose that, you, you get the custom or the predefined activities. You can also create your own activities, um, hmm. your own speech activities. And it's all based on top of the Windows Workflow Foundation. You can also use the general Windows Workflow Foundation activities as well. So you'll generally use um, for your flows, like the if-else, you'll ask a question, and then you probably would use an if-else. And then, obviously, one call flow for one answer, or you might have multiple branches in that if-else. So basically what I'm ending up with is once I program all this, since I'm in Visual Studio, the end result, I I can do whatever I want. And I'm in Visual Studio, for crying out loud. I can... Right. Uh, I, yeah, I can add records to a database. I can do web services. I can do whatever I can do, and so right, so the, exactly. so essentially, a, you're you're allowing somebody to interact with a real .NET application using a telephone, right, essentially, exactly. and their exactly. voice. And I think Microsoft is going to win big there because essentially, your .NET developers now um, are typically going to be web and Windows. I mean, yeah. those are really the front ends. So well, now, I, I've built adding, a services layer that has all of my business features on it, and I've built a web client that works against those services. I've built a, a Windows client that's worked against those services. Why couldn't I build a voice client that works against right, those services? Exactly. Hence the voice user interface idea. Uh, yeah. VUI. Yep. <laughs> well, you, so got, you got yourself a new word there, Mr. Franklin. A VUI. I can tell. <laughs> hey, Vinny, give me a VUI to go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... It's really um, so. It's really powerful because you have .NET. You can do anything, um, anything you want. So, so now you can even start getting away from these typical, um, typical IVR apps. Uh, yeah. Most other platforms are are pretty limited. You know, you can do anything. I mean, yeah, so you don't need sure. to do just these typical uh, front ends. Whatever you want to do, you can pretty much do it. <laughs> now you can still do this. The basic transfer calls to other people on the network. You can. I think Richard was mentioning the PBX. You can interact with PBXs this way. Yep. Um, it gets a little tricky, but yeah, you can. Um, obviously, if there's a .NET API with your PBX, then you can. Otherwise, just simple transfers um, between uh, to your PBX um, would be supported out of the box. Are there certain um, PBXs that? Well, well, what about the uh, the voice client that comes with it? You can obviously route to those because those are .NET. The Office Office client. So the off, yep, the Office communication uh, Office communicator client. Right, that's the one. Yep. So yes, they will have. Um, you can actually send calls to an IP address 
or to a telephone number. So depending how you have your uh, communicator set up, it might have a telephone number or you might just want to call an IP address. You know, you brought up the idea of a pizza a pizza restaurant. I can I can and you know, speech server being about 600 bucks. I can imagine just absolutely blowing somebody's mind saying going into a, you know, pizza owner, rest, pizza restaurant owner who's doesn't, you know, maybe doesn't know about this kind of stuff and saying, "Look, see that guy that's standing there taking orders and, and barking right. him out?" Uh, I can replace that guy <laughs> $600 box. Right. And the orders will just come up on this screen right here, and you're done. Yep, exactly. Uh, that's going to get you a few nasty emails, this Mr. Franklin. Is, I know. Well, I'm thinking of you know how to put this gracefully, but, I mean, you know, I've always been aware that we're in the business of replacing people. I'm I'm right. headed more down the Ask Eliza model. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's code Eliza <laughs> with speech server. How has that been done? Um, not that I know of, no. <laughs> Can you imagine then, that? Well, then, and then you, you you put it on a pay per minute phone number. That's just it. call this number, and it a talks Rogerian to you. psychotherapist at you know five dollars a minute. You know, <laughs> my brother hates me. Tell me more about your family. <laughs> <laughs> you could, and with that conversational grammar builder that, that I was talking about, is is that that's the kind of things that you can do? So. Dude, Instead you know, I the simple keywords, you could say uh, one of the training sentences, you know, my brother hates me and you can recognize that oh, he's talking about family. I can ask him a I, question I, on I, that. I converted Eliza to VB. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. <laughs> I was talking to Richard, but I mean cuz cuz I think we've talked about this before, but I have a version in VB and it'd be very cool to hook that up to speech server. Let's yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, let's, just, let's just put that out there. See what happens. Yeah. Oh man, have so have have we missed anything in terms of the process of putting it together? I mean, obviously the end the end game is the .NET uh, application that you can do stuff with. Have we missed right. anything? Is deployment? Really, um, well, the, the deployment's actually nothing really to talk about there. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, right click and you, you tell it where your app, where your assembly is. Yeah, because it's just another how class. Do you, how do you hook it up right. to a phone? I mean, how do you hook so, it up to a so phone? So when you number? hook it up to a phone is. Um, is it can tie into your existing voice over IP uh, infrastructure now. So you have to make sure that your your voice over IP infrastructure supports SIP over TCP, which has been a big issue because in the industry now, SIP is primarily done over UDP. Right. Microsoft went and they said TCP only. And, and it, we can only make guesses at uh, I don't think they've ever told us exactly why, but we can make guesses, um, security being one of the guesses I would make. Um, for the fact that now, if you have TCP, then you can also do TLS now. So with a, if you have certificates installed, um, basically SSL. I'm trying to think of TLS stands for. I don't know off the top of my head. Secure there. sockets <laughs> layer. Okay. Yep. So, uh, so now you can secure your... Your calls yeah, transport layer. Sorry, pick that up. TLS is transport layer security. Okay. Yep. So, so what about uh, an, an existing telephone? What if we just had a phone number in the office? We wanted this thing to answer the phone and and do all that. What what extra a, stuff do we need? Oh, uh, so you have a just a plain analog line. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can actually buy um, third party piece of hardware that yep. will tie an, analog lines into. Uh, Basically, voice over IP. Yeah, I'm thinking Dialogic makes those boards. Yes, they, they make the boards, um, but you don't need the boards that's anymore. That's dating you, Richard. Yeah, yep, I know. Yep. So, <laughs> so that's one thing is you don't need these boards anymore tied to the machine. So now you can have this networked um, piece Box. of hardware. Yeah. Yeah, so it'd be this voice over IP gateway. And if you just want to do like simple app for like four ports, they have these um, little boxes for... Uh, like four hundred bucks that that'll plug four analog lines into this thing, and now you can have four lines running in, and it converts it over the network. And so um, four analog lines go in, and TCP/IP comes out, right to Speed Server, and then Speed Server sends all the uh, all the SIP messages back to the box, and then it converts it back to the analog and sends it back over the phone. I I think we we've got a few minutes here. Maybe we ought to go off on the sort of telephony angle of all of this because I'm thinking about asterisk as well. Yeah, well, and I, before you go there, I'm thinking Skype is the natural one because that's the one most right. people use. What what and, about that? Okay, 
So you both brought up two things that, that are really probably wide known in the industry, but are not directly supported for the <laughs> fact that um, the, for, for the TCP UDP issue. Um, there's one issue with Asterisk. So Asterisk does SIP over UDP. Um, there are some, uh, since it's an open source project, people have made some uh, add-ins for Asterisk to do TCP. Right. Part of the problem is also the SIP implementation. Um, Microsoft does some things, and some people say proprietary, but it depends on how you read the RF, uh, RFC for SIP. It's up to interpretation. So they use this, these um, certain SIP messages to basically route the calls, which Asterisk does not support. Um, Skype, I believe, is isn't quite SIP or well? Okay, I'm. I'm just when you were doing that, I, I brought up the Skype fact and to the question, can I connect to a SIP server with Skype? It says currently we offer a service called Skype Out, which allows users to call any telephone on the public switch telephone network, whether it's a standard landline, a mobile phone, or a phone connected using SIP. So it looks like so they I would support. take that answer. Yeah, that it's not really not really SIP. So one thing that is SIP is Vonage, but again, we have that problem of. Um, UDP. UDP. It's only UDP. Right. Um, so really... That's when you get... Up, uh, you, uh, you, oh, uh, 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 exactly. <laughs> you, 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 you do that so well, I thought there was a problem with the recording. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> totally like, duped wow, me. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's my Vonage right there. I, I speak Vonage. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually a useful talent there, Mr. Franklin. Well, it worked for you. So. Right. That, that was pretty good, actually. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Now we've thrown everybody off. What were we talking about? Right, right. So, so you say Skype sort of supports SIP, but it says it can connect to a SIP server. I think what it is is they've got a SIP gateway inside of the, the Skype network somewhere. Yeah, just serv- like, it's an extra service that yeah, you pay just, for. Just like they've right. got with Skype out is gate, gateway to regular phone, too. So I'm sure yeah. that it's just SIP over UDP because a lot of – I really don't know a, a vendor that is doing SIP over TCP right now. Yeah. So the hardware vendors that uh, that support Office Communication Server obviously do, um, but I don't know any – like uh, voice over IP providers who are doing it. Right. And it's really too bad because if someone, if if a provider really could do SIP over TCP, they could have a monopoly on this. Well, it, the, you, you bring up a valid point. Microsoft has decided to implement SIP over TCP, which is not, which is stretching the boundaries of the the protocol. And there's obvious reasons to do that, especially in an internal network. TCP is reliable and consistent and ordered, so it's got all of the strengths you're going to want for a better quality connection. But you have the overhead of the of the connection itself. But is it? But it. But I don't know the protocol. Is it a? Is it a connect once and then communicate multiple times, or is it more like HTTP, where you're constantly connecting and disconnecting? So the protocol. It depends, again, how you interpret it. (laughs) Um, It it is typically, you don't need to pick up every packet. So it is designed to run over UDP. But there's new versions of this uh, uh, RFC that come out that says that that now that not only should you support UDP, but you should also support TCP. And depending if how you read it, because it's really, you know, how you read it, is Microsoft wrong or right to not have UDP? I mean, to be able to say that they're, they're truly SIP. The way I read it is that if you if some, if some you support UDP, you must support TCP. Really? It's not right, exactly. So all these other... But if you support TCP, do you need to support UDP? It doesn't say that. Oh, interesting. So it depends how you read it. Right, exactly. So it's all up to interpretation, I guess. So it does say that... It, in the new RFC, which everyone's still on the old one, Microsoft, I think, has conformed to the newer one. Everyone else is kind of out of date. And everyone's saying, you know, Microsoft's being proprietary or using proprietary SIP, which is not true at all. It's not proprietary SIP, and it's, there's actually no proprietary extension. They're using SIP. If you look at the new RFC and you can trace the packets, you can see exactly what they're doing. Right. So, and and it's not like they're they're hiding this change. They're saying this right. is how we're doing it. Right. So it's tough to be too grouchy about the whole thing. 
Yep. Um, what is what do I need to set this up for development for testing? If I'm going to start building one of these uh, IVRs, so you can actually just run it on a laptop. You, you don't need a it, when you install the developer components for Speed Server. It actually gives you a debugger phone in there. A soft phone. Yep, a, a soft phone in Visual Studio. It's right, only so good for de- uh, debugging the app you're in, but it's there. So you're just uh, you're just using your your typical microphone headset type uh, or microphone and uh, earphones headset type thing to talk to it, and that's all you need. Yep, and you don't even need to talk to it. Let's say if you don't have your microphone available, you're on a plane or something, and you want to you know work on your app. You can actually just type in string, and it'll pretend that that's audio. Right. And so you can do all this debugging within Visual Studio. Well, I found the RFC for SIP. It's yep. uh, 3261. Yep, and I believe there's a newer one in there. So if you look for TCP, see if we can find one. Well, this is the core protocol that's still listed, and then there have been updates since then. Right, and it's one of the updates when it starts talking about TCP. I had a blog post exactly. I'll have to find that one again. Um, I had a blog post mentioning the specific location about this TCP mention and the way it was phrased. Yeah, there it is. Section 18. All SIP elements must implement UDP and TCP. SIP elements may implement other protocols. Right. There's another one where it says that if you're doing TCP or if you're doing UDP, you have to do the, the TCP now. Making TCP mandatory for the UA is a substantial change from RFC 2543. It has arisen out of the need to handle larger messages, which must use TCP. Hmm. Right. So, kind of interpretation there, that if you're using TCP that and you're using these larger messages, then right. you, so the, you, couldn't, you, couldn't, huh. you couldn't do backwards compatibility to UDP. Right. So... And so the the RFC that you found, Carl, 3261, is the new one that talks about implementing TCP. The old one okay. that was all UDP is 2543. Yeah, because it does say it, say it obsoletes 2543. Yeah, 43. Right. right. And, and so, like, your asterisks, uh, PBX, and um, everything else is really based off the older one. Right. So... Interesting. And, and SIP has... Uh, uh, I take it uh, contingencies for when bandwidth drops and it'll re-establish uh, yep. the codec and all that. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. This is the kind of stuff that I really like to write, but I like to simplify it too. And and I look at a big complex protocol like that and I think, ugh, overhead. Right, but exactly. But you know, it is necessary, I guess, in order to do it reliably. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big debate in the you know um, I guess the voice over IP space. Um, which Microsoft is coming in really full force. They're coming in the IVR space uh, a little bit larger now, and then also just the voice over IP space. Um, and they are arriving late to the game. There's a lot well, of work already done. That's their yep. MO, though. I mean, that's how they work. This yeah. is, it's right. not by accident. Well, uh, what haven't we talked about that we need to cover? Um, or is that a show? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. Um Good stuff. So you're any demos, but yeah, you guys should uh, definitely at least download the trial of Speed Server, or you have MSDN. So, um, so if you I'll have it, if, like, if you have MSDN, you can go get OCS 2007 there, or you can go get the trial version off of the the Microsoft website. All right, one more question for you: While yeah. speech is greater than milk, WTF, man, WTF? <laughs> <laughs> so actually, um, I had a, I ran a different blog. Um, off another uh, Magenic uh, person. He he had a public blog site, um, manicprogrammer.com. Uh-oh. And all those guys, um, you know, all their blog names were, you know, these, these C-sharp uh, little things, um, while time greater than zero. So when, <laughs> I, yeah. when I moved mine over here, I kind of, you know. Milk, um, though. Why milk while speech <laughs> well, is greater the, than milk? The, so the blog site is run by another MVP, Marshall Harrison, and it's named Got Speech. So, oh, um, got milk. Oh, dude. I didn't go. even get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even get it. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very cool. Well, this is great stuff. I'm uh, I, I'm thinking about playing around with it now that I got a little clarification on what all is involved. It's oh. like anything. You know, it, it's so daunting when you just go to a website. You have no idea what you're getting into. So I appreciate right. it. And I think our listeners appreciate walking yep. you through us pr- that process. I guess I'll throw that out there, too, is I just released a book on Speech Server 2007 uh, through A-Press. Really? Yep, and that's available now. That's out. I can get that that's on out. Amazon right yep. now. Yes, you can. Yep, and it's... it's um. I'll search on Michael Dunn to make sure I can get it. Yep. It's based off the uh, the, the beta, but it still applies. There's been very little changes. So it's close enough. Yep. Good. Close enough. Michael, thank you very much. Say hi to Rocky and the gang for us. Yep, I sure will. And uh, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a